Good morning. With Easter coming up just a few weeks away, our topic today of humility, I think is, I don't think we could get a better topic than humility for today. You know, Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem, and a donkey was a common animal in biblical days. Every family had a donkey. Donkeys are not very elegant. They bray. They make loud noises. They actually bellow. And Jesus' humility, his humble demeanor, was apparent for all to see as he began his ministry. He rode a donkey into Jerusalem. But before that, he asked two of his disciples to go into Jerusalem and to find the donkey and bring it to him. And it fulfilled prophecy. He truly was the Messiah. Zechariah 9, 9 tells us, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding upon a donkey. The people waved branches before him as he went down the Via Doloroso. And sad to say, one week later, the same people that cheered him on were the same people as Jesus was carrying his cross, verbally abused him, stoned him, and treated him so horribly. Jesus personifies humility. That's very important to remember. Jesus personifies humility. So what is humility? Humility is being meek and modest. Meek is having a gentle nature, and modest is not bragging. Humility has an open heart and an open mind. Humility expects great things. Humility waits. Humility reflects. And humility seeks to understand the other person. Humility is patient. Humility is putting others first by giving up what you think that you deserve. Jesus was humble and gentle. We live in a me society. (laughs) Humility is a very rare character trait to find out in society today. The media encourages encourages us to do things our way. It's all about me. Just go for it. Do it. You deserve it. Humility is a character trait that we really do need within our lives. Fifteen years ago, I observed a friend's son over a period of time. He was a great teenager. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He was great in the arts. He was a lot of fun to be around. So when I complimented him, she said that she had prayed him to be. Well, that sort of struck a chord within my own heart, Praying I was doing, I'd been the leader of the Moms in Touch prayer group at Westminster for about 10 years at this time. So I was praying, but just one verse that we had every week. So that summer of 1999, CV was 16, Matt was 13, I decided that I was going to find five verses that I was going to pray for my children. I started looking up verses within the Bible And I knew first, though, that I had to make a conscious effort to know who my children were, their strengths as well as their weaknesses, their shortcomings, so that I could find the verses that they really need to grow in their relationship with the Lord and with other people. 
I prayed for the Lord to help me out, and I knew that he would help me to persevere. Zechariah 4, 6 tells us, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So I knew if I persevered, that the Lord would help me to come up with these five verses, not somehow, but triumphantly. Would you believe that one of those verses was for humility. (laughs) Stevie and Matt excelled in several different areas, so that is something that I wanted them to be, was to be gentle and humble like Jesus was, that Matthew 11, 29 tells us about. I prayed the five verses every day. I made some changes to the verses over the years, but pray them consistently, that I did do. There's a listing in your mom magazine this month so if you cut them out, <laughs> on the back of the book, it will look like this. I suggest that you don't have to use my five verses. It would be a good place to start, but you can make up your own verses. This is what I prayed for my children, that they would walk in spirit and truth, that they would depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ and not man whatsoever, that they would be pure in every area of their life, in their words, in their thoughts, in their action, in their jokes, in the books, in the magazine, in the TV, in the movies, in the way that they dressed, and in sexual purity. I prayed that they would be kind and compassionate and forgiving, that they would forgive deeply from the heart, and that they would love deeply from the heart. I prayed that they would be humble and gentle like Jesus was, that they would have a confident spirit, but not a prideful spirit, that they would have no feelings of inferiority or superiority. That's an important one whenever you have preteens and teens. And the fifth one is they would keep a guard by the door of their lips, and they would refuse to gossip. Well, I'm so thankful that the Lord honors my prayers. I'm not a perfect mom, and I do not have perfect kids. They're great kids, but they're not perfect kids. The Bible tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. Moms, be humble. Admit you cannot be a good mom by yourself. You need your husband to be on the same wavelength as you are. And you need the Lord to guide you in your words, in your thoughts, in your actions, and especially in your prayer life. Each month, moms, we give you so much information. I know it's overload. But I know there's one thing that strikes a chord within your heart. Circle it, underline it, put a heart beside it, asterisk beside it. Just implement one thing in your life that you can do to become a better mom. Then let us pray each day that the Lord will open our eyes so we can read his word, that he will open our ears so we might hear what it is he's trying to tell us, and then open our hearts so that we might be obedient to what it is he is saying to us. We're going to look now at five different ways that we can instill humility in our lives and in that of our children. There are things that worked with our family. Persevere. There is so much to be said in my favorite little saying of you water and you wait and you'll see. The first thing that we need to do is we need to have a servant heart. Servanthood is selfless giving. Several years ago at the Fort Lauderdale Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, Jack Seiler, our mayor, said, we're not here to be served. We are here to serve. It just really flummoxed me whenever he said that. 
I loved it because it is so true. And how wonderful that the mayor of our city says that in front of a thousand people. The next time that you're in a restaurant or you're in a store, please notice the clerks and the wait staff. Tongue in cheek, we do live in South Florida, but most of our clerks and the wait staff really do want us to have a pleasurable experience. They want us to have a good night out. They want to help us to find what it is we are looking for whenever we are shopping. It should be no different in our lives whatsoever. We need to seek ways to help other people, to leave in our wake positive encounters. When we focus on others and not self, the me and our life decreases. John 3.30 tells us that he must become greater and I must become less. And then Jesus told his disciples, if you want to be first, head to the back of the line and be a servant of all. Make it a habit to serve. Send out cards or encouragement emails on a weekly basis. If you see a need, seek to fulfill it. Take a meal to a family who is in a time crunch. Volunteer to take someone's children so that they can have a date night or a night alone, which is unheard of in a lot of homes. Give a gift card out to a single mom or to someone who is having trouble making ends meet. Use your imagination to fit your lifestyle. Just be a servant to others and include your children in your decisions because they are listening and watching everything that we do. Number two is we are humble when we're polite and when we use good manners. We all dream of having those children that people compliment, right? (laughs) We do. So teach your children the three magic phrases of please, thank you, and may I. A demanding child is not humble. And children are not to tell their parents what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to ask what they can do. Manners are necessary to get you through life. You have to have manners even to have a good experience out on the playground, to get through school, to get through college, to get a job, and then to keep one. (laughs) People avoid rude people, but they gravitate toward polite people. Even a well-behaved child can be unruly at times, especially when they're the only child present or they feel that you are ignoring them. Rings the bell. If you're going into a social situation where your child needs to be quiet or where they're going to be the only child present, prepare them ahead of time. Our children feel as if they're more in control whenever they know what is expected of them. We'd always tried to keep a little bag in the book that was our special quiet bag that had a couple of books in it and a small toy that was only used for those situations. And we did not let them take it out of the car at any other time. If unruliness persists, well, just count on that. Remove your child from the situation. Take them by the hand to an area where no one can overhear you. Did you know that it takes 10 positive comments to negate one negative comment? Anger breeds anger. We need to be polite to our children. Keep an an even tone of voice when you're repeating 
what you said to your child earlier about what is expected of them. And please keep the physical contact. Keep a gentle hand on their shoulder or reach down and put your arm around them. But keep that close physical contact. Warn them that if the behavior occurs again, you will be leaving and going home. I have to tell you a story about Matt when shopping was not a pleasure when he was three years old. I told him that if he yelled and screamed one more time in public, we would be leaving, that I already talked to Mr. Manny, the manager, and we had arranged that if he threw another temper tantrum, Mommy was going to take the car back into the freezer compartment. Did you know you, they will let you do that and leave your groceries there? And then we're going home, and then you're going to go to your room, and Daddy's going to talk to you whenever he gets home. And then Mommy will go back to Publix, and I'll finish up my shopping. It happened. He screamed and kicked. He didn't think I would do it. I did it. It was very hard. It's very embarrassing to do that in Publix where shopping is not a pleasure, and to take your child physically to the car and be consistent with what you have already said that you were going to do. Be consistent. Mean what you say and say what you mean. What about talking back? Talking back is not very humble. Talking back is rude and talking back is defiant. If you cannot control a toddler... You are not going to be able to control that teenager. Please do not set yourself up for failure. Get a handle on the defiant unruliness now while you can. If you have a talker backer in your house, find a consequence, one that you're going to apply it the next time that they talk back, and be consistent. You are a parent. You are not your child's friend. You're in charge of them. You need to post Ephesians 6.1 on your fridge. I love it. It's short four words. Children, obey your parents. On any discipline, warn before it's going to happen. If the consequence does not get a reaction from your child, it's not strong enough. Make it important to them what you're going to be taking away. A favorite toy, a movie, a dessert, and for teens, what can I say? Car keys and the cell phone are magic words. Now, spanking is biblical. A lot of people don't feel that. I'm sorry, it's just my take. Proverbs 29.15 tells us, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Think about this. What if I had not been, yes, I was embarrassed when I, when I carried a kicking, screaming, yelling child out of Publix over my shoulder, but that was better than at the age of 14 for Matt to stand there and argue with me out in public or argue with me or be disrespectful to me in front of his friends or other parents. That would have been hard to have taken. So people do laugh at a three-year-old when you carry them out of a situation and they're crying. We've all been there. But they do not laugh when you have a defiant, talking back child as a teenager. Never spank in anger. Spank with your hand. Hands are for loving. We used to see her spank, paint stick. These are obsolete. They don't have them anymore. It's pliable. It has little holes. It stung. It worked. 
find something, let your hands be for loving, and find a pliable, inanimate object that you can spank with. If your child continues to exhibit negative behavior, as aforementioned, remove them from the situation. If they're too big to remove, then you have to say to them, I'm not listening to you while you're being disrespectful to me. Whenever you are polite, then I will listen, and you leave the room. Sometimes the emotions run so high when you have a teenager or a preteen. Now it's getting to be into those ages of 8 to 10 that's yelling at you that sometimes all you can do is just stop and look them in the eye and say, I love you so much and leave the room. Don't argue back with them. Leave the room. Moms, please look up those happy heart verses every month. There's only 10 on of them. Write them on note cards. Post them throughout your house. Take them in the car. Try to memorize them. Who has the name tag that has two hearts on it with NC? You get a personalized set of happy heart note cards. (laughs) Good catch. Oh, dear. So who has a name tag now that has a heart with a number one and a number two on it? You are the recipients of the Happy Heart book giveaway. So back on the table, please take your books home to read aloud with your children. Number three is we are humble whenever we admit our mistakes. Be the first to say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? It's not easy to listen to criticism. And it's vital to listen to constructive criticism that makes us a better person. We are never too old to learn a new way to do something or a different way to be more effective to others. Humility heeds instruction. Humility is teachable. It takes a very courageous person to confront another person. And if you are going to confront someone Please pray about it in advance and then use loving words whenever you confront. I love what Steve Brown says, cheer up. You're a lot worse than you think you are, but God's grace is a lot bigger than you think that it is. Character is what we are when no one else is watching. Others do not always see our shortcomings, but those who live in our house, our children do, and they're watching And they're listening to see how we portray humility on a daily basis. Oh, Lord, help us to set role modeling in our homes that provides humility. And then to be vulnerable and readily admit it whenever we are guilty of wrongdoing. The fourth thing is encourage whenever we find a life verse and then we live it. I love Micah 6.8. It is my life verse, and a friend gave me this. It hangs in my um, in my laundry room, and it says, What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. To act justly is to be fair, and to love mercy is to forget. And to walk humbly simply reminds me, Vicki, you are not better than anyone else. Romans 2.11 tells us that God plays. No favoritism whatsoever. So we are to display no favoritism in our life. Having a life verse is an act of self-accountability. It gives us an inner plumb line that we are to live by. So moms, I encourage you, if you don't have a life verse, go home, find one, 
post it, share it with your family, share it with your best friend to keep you accountable to it so that it can become a cornerstone of what is seen and what is unseen in your life. Now, who has two little name tags that have Micah 6-8 written in them in red? You have my lifers that's been artfully done by Miss Amanda Framed. So you get to take it home with you. Have another one? Great. Our last thing is, it's on the life, um, the card of five things to pray for your children. Is humility is confident, not prideful. Humility seeks to save another person's pride, placing someone else first. It's important to know who we are and what we can do. Not boasting is not acceptable at any age whatsoever. Being humble and gentle like Jesus is a life goal. Proverbs tell us it is not honorable to seek one's own honor, yet they also tells us that pride goes before a fall. Boasting is a mask that hides the true self and leads to a life of jealousy and pride. Humility displays good sportsmanship, and humility sticks up for the underdog, and humility listens to others, and it talks less, just like James 1.19 tells us to be slow to anger, to be quick to listen. And to be quick to encourage others. Very wise words indeed to carry out. Humility breeds a humble spirit when we as parents are honest in our encouragement. Exaggerated words can lead to a false pride in our children. We do not want our children to be dependent upon the approval of other people. We want our children to be dependent upon what the word of God says and align up their lives with it. Society today has become a talent show. Our children do not need a trophy for every single thing that they do. And peer pressure is tough. And it's very, very easy for a preteen or a teen to be taken over by peer pressure. So as parents, we need to be careful in our friendships and to make sure that our friendships are on the same like-minded wave. We do not desire all of our hard work to go down the drain. We need to live out the word of God. Let your children see your Bible open on the kitchen counter. Let them see you reading it, praying. Let them see, share your prayer list, not what's on it, but the prayer list itself with your children. Let them do family devotions. Let them see you do family devotions. Be consistent in your church attendance, serving others with a very, very humble heart. Recognize effort by saying, good job, you did it. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, you did it today. You finished the race that was put before you. Not all kids are going to be excellent students or great out on the field or excel in the arts. Every child is unique, so it's important that you tell them, I love you on a daily basis. And don't forget your husband while you're at it. May our families have a closed door on boasting, exaggeration, and gossip. Pray that the stumbling blocks of envy and jealousy do not rear their head within your house whatsoever. Pray that the feelings of superiority nor inferiority take root within your child's heart nor in yours. Matthew twenty three twelve is a great verse to pray as a family. He who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be Exalted, which leads into Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that what is useful for building up others and encouraging them. So in closing, let's role model 
humility to our children in five ways. Serve others with a happy heart. If we complain, it really spoils our testimony. Number two is maybe as polite to our children as we are to our friends. Number three is to admit it whenever we are wrong. Number four is to find a life verse and then live it. And number five, confidence, not pride, in our home is a lifeguard. Happy hearts encourage often. They laugh more. They have a teachable spirit. And they love deeply from the heart. A humble love will conquer the hardest of hearts. Moms, be humble.